It's time for honest reflection in youth ministry. The present culture is more established than ever. It's so crushing for many a youth pastor. There's a lot to be learned about youth ministry and even more to be shared. Here's to hoping that this helps. Whether you are 19 and have just started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years, we hope that this weekly dose of honesty and humor will help to heal and renew hope for you and yours. Welcome to After 9, the most honest hour in youth ministry. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to After 9. My name is Zach Workin, and I'm with Chad Higgins. As usual in the studio today, um, we're really excited. Uh, so we've got some upcoming events that we wanted to share with you, the first of which is in April. We're going to be at Youth Ministry Lab down in Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, and sir. so we actually want to involve you in this. So they've asked us to, to bring some swag. And so we've been kind of debating on what kind of swag to bring, um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of you probably go to conference events or learning symposiums or seminars or workshops or whatever, and there's always tables that have, you know, pens or mints Mm -hmm. or some kind of, you know, maybe the cool new thing that I always need picking up is USB chargers, like for for your devices or whatever. (laughs) Can I tell a quick story? Always, always. (laughs) That's why folks listen, really, is to hear what story you're going to (laughs) tell. So I had a... pastor friend of mine we were at a conference and we were walking around the booths and um the table that um was sponsored by the band that was leading worship nice okay that weekend had their own they probably got it for free jerks (laughs) so um on their table were all these usb um you know, little, little charge packs. Charge, yeah. well, no, they were it, no, it was the like, oh, like flash drives. Flash drive. Okay. With and, free music on it? Well, so. Or, or not. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> through these flash drives. And he sees them. He's like, oh, sweet. And there was nobody at the booth. Oh, no. And so he. Scooped them all? No, not all. <laughs> he he grabbed, he grabbed, I think, like three of them. Okay. And. That's like a fair share. <laughs> and so we went back in the the auditorium. We're sitting there. And the the band, um, the band begins to talk about, hey, come by our booth during the break. Um, we have flash drives on our booth that have all of our albums on them. Nice. And we're selling them for sixty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and so I turned to him, right, like wide eyes, and I'm like, I'm like, you just stole one hundred eighty dollars from the band. <laughs> well, I mean, so then, oh, so no. then that next break, he doesn't want to tell them, so he does this like walk by, and he just <laughs> throws them. He has them like them. in the like like the hoodie pocket, and he yes. just kind of like ding ding drops them back on the table. <laughs> right. Great. Did he keep one for himself though? No, no, oh, he, he put them all. Back. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Oh, that's. I, I guess that's maybe good practice to charge for something that's free and in the open. I don't know. Maybe we should do that. No, but Chad, no, we're joking. So, like, I mean, do you, if we're at, so if you have a chance to be down at the lab uh, April first and second yep. uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, would you love to see us show up with pins, with earbuds, uh, with A nine steak sauce, as Chad <laughs> joked about? <laughs> we should have some after nine, some A nine steak sauce, or some some A one A nine beard oil. I mean, for all of our bearded friends that just need to keep a soft, lush beard. Yeah, so so let us know on, on Twitter or Facebook what, what what you'd like to see. We can't promise anything, but locks we, of Chad's beard. We could do beard. I'm lockets. not giving away. You're not giving <laughs> beard locks. <laughs> um, 
but but more than anything, we would love to connect with you. So if yes. you'll be there, um, please um, come stop by the booth. We would love to hear your story. Love to get connected. Put um, more faces with names and things like that. And so um, maybe record some stories. Even yeah, maybe a little we, late night after night hangout. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to get coffee through the through the week with, with you guys and really spike sit down. some chalupas together. Yeah. You know, par- part of this ministry that that we're doing is we we don't really want to just be these like guys on the air like we're we're student pastors ourselves we understand how hard and how tough this can be and and so part of this is us getting to connect and us being real with you and you being real with us um and and us do life together to encourage one another because nobody um nobody knows what you're going through other than other youth pastors they're in the same place that you are and so zach and i we're not these guys that are at these like mega huge churches that don't really understand what what you're walking through or and so we're in the trenches with you, and so we want to be able to, uh, uh, to to be to do life together. alongside minister you together. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We we learn best from each other. So um, hang out with us April first and second down in Fort Worth, Texas. It'll be a fun time. I got a question for you, Chad. Hit me. So we're in the spring season, and we're thinking about summer, and we're doing stuff. And there's this question that sometimes just feels more true than others. I, I mm. just so there are just some weeks where this just question just burns, just burns. Why does no one want to help me? <laughs> like we just got back from hanging out with some folks uh, in Oklahoma City, and there was a conversation about about uh, volunteer recruitment, right? right? Which I'm sure that if you show up with that on the packet, people are going to feel like I can say no to this because right. it's on a packet or it's in a binder or whatever. But that but that question of like, okay, clearly you're a youth minister, and you want and you want to minister to young people, and and maybe within a the first few months of being wherever you're at, it's pretty clear that there is more work to be done than you yourself can do. Mm-hmm. And so you want partners in ministry and we can't always pay for the help that we want. And so we've got to depend on some volunteer help sure. to, to get us by. Uh, and, and it's an also an opportunity to train other people to minister in the ways that we minister. Uh, it's, it's disciple making, right? Like it's not just about like making disciples of young people, but making other disciples of, of, college-aged or adult persons that can pour into the lives of young people. Because for so many people, like that is when youth ministry is at its best, is when folks that are not paid, in quotation marks, are helping out to, to, to give into the lives of these students, right? Like the folks that show up to help on Sundays or midweek or events or, you know, wh- whenever it is in a small group setting or, you know, on the worship team or... Um, you know, showing up to basketball games, football games, uh, other kind of events. I loved being the guy that showed up to the debate tournaments, mm-hmm. you know, because I did that. And I understand that no one shows up to the debate <laughs> tournaments. Uh, a buddy of mine always talks about that his ministry was to the freshman football team because nobody comes to freshman games. Like right. they're typically either on like the Monday at 5 p.m. Right. or they're like Friday afternoon, like right after school. And everybody has already gone home to get ready for the real right. varsity game. And that to be a minister to like the JV, you know, basketball team or the freshman football team or whatever is that's where it's really at. Yeah, that's because cool. nobody else is there. And so like that was his thing is he would always take Gatorade to the freshman football team because nobody was there. <laughs> and so like he, he would bring like his family and some of his volunteer leaders and they would like double the fan base for the freshman football team. <laughs> and so like th- there is this kind of like, th- there are all these different little outlets and we can't be at all places at all times. So we need help. But how do we get help? How yeah. do we get help? How do we recruit help, train help, find help? Because sometimes I just feel like no one wants to help me. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the felt need, right? That's the after nine question that's happening when we get in our car and, um, we've got these questions of 
where was so-and-so? Like, why didn't they show up? They were supposed to leave that small One group. week you have all the help, and the next week you get all the text, <laughs> like, right before midweek starts. Like, hey, I can't be there. Work went long. Hey, I can't be there. Yeah. My kid's sick. Hey, I can't be there. I don't feel well. And you're like, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to help. Sure. And, and so we, we want to talk through some of those those, those feelings. And, and maybe even sometimes they show up. And they may be physically present, yeah. but like <laughs> mentally or emotionally, Usually, right? Yeah. Like they, they, they're, they're in as much the back corner of the room as the student that you're trying to, to, to lure out right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You can count my head, but my presence wasn't there. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so we, we have those feelings. And so if that's you today, then, you know, hopefully uh, you understand that you're not alone, even in your own church. And, and, and so we have to be wise at, at recruiting, uh, training, equipping, um, keeping um, these these volunteer leaders. And, and so the first question and the first mindset that I, I hope we can start to walk into is I think the way that we see our ministry to students um, in our church. And, and for me, it's asking this question um, as the student pastor, as the leader, as the volunteer leader, wherever you're at in your situation – is the ministry that you have to students, is it a ministry that is your churches? Yeah. That the people in your church, that attend your church, that are members of your church, whatever your nomenclature of that is, is this a ministry that they have in their community to students? Or is this something that you as the minister are putting on and you're just trying to get volunteers from your church to serve your purpose. Serve your little miniature version of whatever. Exactly. And I think that that's maybe a very, very important question for us to start on and to begin to ask, because I think so many of us, we see ministry that second way, that we're doing this thing and then we're trying to get people to help us. To help us. Mm. Instead of us realizing that we have the, the opportunity and we're called into this community to lead and help shape, to help the people of your church minister to students. And I think when we start to see it that way, and this isn't the Chad show or the Zach show or whatever your name is, but we understand that we are a part of this body and we're helping lead and shape this culture that ministers to students. And I think when we turn the key in our own mind in that way, then we get past a place of using people. Yes. To a place of engaging people. You've got to know that what you ask them to is what they will be committed for. Right. And so there's two reasons to make this a bigger thing than your own show. One, it means that they might actually want to do the thing. Two, it means when they don't want to do the thing, you don't think that it was you that they said no to. If you're inviting them to help out with the Zach or Chad show and they don't show up, then Zach or Chad feels you know, affected or implicated. Mm-hmm. But if you invite them to help minister to the young people of this church community, then that invitation means that when they say no, they maybe either aren't the right fit or don't have the right big picture for what it should be. Where I'm at right now in all this chat is is coming up with the right uh, kind of ask and task. And I still don't know if I've settled myself on the language yet, um, but one of the words has to be specific and one of the words has to be big. I think where I'm at today is that we need to have a big ask and a specific task. 
Because what's happening is that we aren't giving people a large enough vision for what they're doing. We're saying things like, hey, you should drive a van for camp. Like, no. I can say no to that, right? Like, like it's, it's easy to say no. Like, hey, would you would, would you open your house and like 15 kids come trash it for a weekend and Sunday, like, I'll send you a gift card for chilies? <laughs> it's like, no. Like, that's a specific task. But the big ask is, would you invite this? into your life? Would you invite these students into your life? Would you invite students who are participating in this thing to be in your home experiencing hospitality? Would you lead students on Sunday morning into understanding biblical truth in a bigger and better way than they've known before because you have unique experience that they don't have and they need to glean from you? That may sound like some fancy theologizing or even pontificating, but I think that's what folks are hungry for. I mean, if they're volunteering, they want to know that they can get involved, get engaged in something that's big, right? Like showing up on Sunday and babysitting a group of middle school boys, who really wants to do that? Yeah. Like who wants to who wants that to be their like Sunday morning responsibility at 9 a.m.? Right. It's like, well, he's asking me because he doesn't want to do it right. <laughs> or whatever. But if you can paint it in a way that like, no, like – you're leading these young men to study scripture. You're leading these young men to ask the big questions of their life. You're leading these ladies to a sense of purpose and worth and identity that I as a man cannot give them. But you as a woman of experience and wisdom who have lived life, you have so much to offer them and they need it from you. Yeah, That's the big ask. The specific task part comes when we ask just generically for, hey, will you help me? And I think that's the other side of it that some folks struggle with is maybe they're good at painting the big, broad, vision cast picture. But then when it comes down to, well, what do you need me to do? They're not quite sure. And I think for volunteer recruitment, for adding people to your team of ministers, you need to have a big picture of what you're really about that isn't just fueling or funneling your program or your thing or your event. It's real ministry. But at the end of the day, you need to know what you're asking them to do, and inside of that, have certain kind of parameters of what you're not asking them to do. Hmm. Because sometimes folks want to feel like they're not being tricked. Most of the time, folks want to feel like they're <laughs> not being tricked. And so knowing like what are the terms of like, hey, would you help for this semester, this group of students? It's, it's going to be like 90 minutes every Sunday morning because I want you there a little bit early, stay the whole time, maybe help clean up or whatever. Or it's going to be for this number of days or for this many weeks, uh, and it's going to be in this setting or whatever. Like we, we need to have really good invitations or um, handles on the way that we're asking for help. And I think that is a way that you can move from being kind of like the novice youth minister to a much more experienced youth pastor, youth leader, is to know – what big thing you're inviting them to, and what's the specific way you really want them to help? Sure, yeah, I, I think the it, it to to me what you're talking about is the kind of the inspiration of your leaders, yeah. right? Like the um, helping them see this vision that you feel like the Lord has has given you, um, and and them creating some buy-in, if that makes sense, right? That that they realize, okay, this is a ministry that we. Um, we're a part of creating and not just once again, like a task of Zach. Yeah. You know, I, I think I talked on, on one of our previous episodes about, um, a thing that I heard from Erwin McManus many years ago, but it's answering, um, the why and the what. Yeah. 
of people that um, for most people it comes down to um, they're either why people or they're um, what people or how people. Um, and um, we have to be able to communicate both of those things to our small group leaders, that this is the why that we're doing it and this is the the how or the what that we're doing. And to be able to communicate both of those things kind of in um, your big ask and, and the, the purpose behind it all. Um, and, and I think it's important to remember that these people are volunteers, right? That I think sometimes we have this expectation like they are being paid to yeah. be there. Um, they can do it all. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> because what we're asking for them to do is we're asking them to pull away from some very important things in their life or even just their downtime, right? Right. The, the commitment to us is a decommitment from something else. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to be uh, – Do have you to... want to volunteer for something else? Uh, the day after you worked your hardest, sure, maybe I don't know. Yeah, but I think I think some of us as as we, I I, I want to say this very carefully because we are. I mean, we want to encourage guys to to dream big and to to move out into the areas that God's called them. But there's a process that we have to walk through in our own re, in our own leadership, our own recruitment, and our own retaining of leaders. That we don't get the cart in front of the horse, if yeah. that makes sense. Because I think sometimes we can get so gung-ho that we're doing all of these different things. But to be honest, we only have the manpower to do yeah. a few of those things well. And what happens is we take this small group of leaders that are engaged, that are great leaders... And we try to spread them so thin that we're trying to ask them to be at absolutely everything. Well, naturally, like you and I and everyone else listening, you're going to create your own priority list. And you're going to go, I can't be at all of them. And I'm going to be at this one and this one. And what happens for us is we get to this point going, when all of our leaders picked A and B to be at, C and D fail miserably, right? Um, and not because C and D aren't important, but because they were less felt important. Right. And and, I mean, time is just like currency. We only have so much of it and we're going to use it the best way that we know how to get the biggest bang out of our buck. And so our leaders are the same way. They're going to pick and choose and go, I can be at this. I can't be at that. Um, I've got all of these other things that are going on in my own. And so I think it gets to this place of us evaluating what we do and not asking 10,000 asks out of our people, yes. but those big asks that we really want them to be at. Like, what, what do you need from me? Like, I, I, still, I still think about – I've got a couple of leaders in the place that I'm serving now that I, almost like, like precognitively when we first met, they're like, how do you need me to help you? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I do need to think about that. I'm yeah. not just asking for help. I'm asking this person to help me in the way that they can help, which in the second half we're going to pick up. If you'll stick with us, we're going to talk about recruiting a diversity of leaders. I think that's one of the areas that we really can grow in as as pastor, leader, disciple-making folks. But but I think about in, in whatever current situation you're in, do you have the people assigned to needs that you created or passions that they have. Mm. Um, Because if we are prioritizing, we're going to pick the things that we like the most or we feel the most needed for. Right. And so if you have this like, I need X number of leaders for this one thing. Well, what are they going to do? 
they're going to sit there and they're going to be like super good participants in what we're doing. Right. I guarantee that a person that's got a 40 hour week job, 50 hour week job, kids at home and a spouse that they want to spend more time with. If your big ask, if your specific task is to come and just hang out with kids, which is a thing. And that's part of ministry. And we understand that. But when they hear hang out with kids, they hear it's okay for me to miss sometimes right. or whatever. And that's where, we, we've got to begin to think through this being specific enough and um, priority making enough, right? Like if we're just asking them to come hang out, they may not fully understand, A, how to do it, or B, what you meant when you said that. Yeah. Because you're going to get frustrated and either they're going to get resentful or you're going to get resentful that you weren't doing what I asked you to do. Sure. And you're like, you came and said to hang out. I came in, I hung out, saw they were okay, and I left. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? No. And so I think there's a little bit of that. We've got to make sure that we, and maybe this is creating the right kind of volunteer description pages. I mean, maybe for you, where you're at, you need to have little half sheets or paragraphs of like, what I'm asking you to do is this and this, yeah. and it requires this and that. And that's and that's great. That's fine. But whether that's something that's in front of everybody or just in front of you, I think you need to know the kinds of help you need and not just make the blanket recruitment statement. Right. So we started this episode by asking, like, why does nobody want to help me? And Sometimes I always sense it in that folks want to help out in like the children's ministry more than the youth ministry. And I think it's because in most cases that, that I'm familiar with, children's ministry has a really great start and stop time. Yeah. Like Sunday mornings or midweeks or whenever, like everybody knows when children's ministry is happening and when it's not happening. But the youth ministry seems to be a special kind of thing because you're working with people that are 13, 14, 16, and maybe they're... Maybe they're driving, maybe they're not, but they're still underage minors in ways that, you know, these are not full-blown adults making full-blown adult decisions, but there is enough of um, flexibility and bandwidth that there is ministry opportunity outside of prescribed times or predetermined times. And so for some folks, this is where that hangout um, ask from the youth pastor becomes very difficult for the hangout request or the hangout fulfillment of the volunteer person. Because it doesn't fit inside the lines of, you know, Sunday morning from 9 to 11 or, or Wednesday afternoon from, you know, 5 to 7. And so that is where we've got to be extra thoughtful and extra intentional as youth ministers in drawing the kinds of circles or the kinds of requirements or the kinds of hopes that we would see from our volunteer leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that... Um I mean, I'd love to get your feedback on because I think not only are, are we trying to create a place that has a purpose for the leaders, um, but that we also have a place that allows them to live into the purpose that God has given them. Okay. Right? That, um, you know, each of our leaders are going to be, um, they're all different, they're all unique, they all have different skill sets. And I think if we're just building a student ministry that's based around us, then we're going to play into our giftings and our skill sets. Instead of stepping back with some wisdom, evaluating the people that God have br- has brought to this place to serve and to create a ministry, um, and really start to ask the questions, what are the talents in the room yeah. that God's given us to work with? Um, and what does a ministry look like that cr- that cultivates all the talents of all the different people that are in the room? 
That's good. And I, I think that when we start to step back, then it no longer becomes just about us, and it starts to be about this team, right, that, that God continues to add people to, and we get to allow them to live into the giftings that they have. Yeah. Um, and I think that we've got to create some space for um, our leaders to begin to to live out those things or to develop those things. I, I don't believe that just bec- in the same way that I don't believe that there's a one size fits all student ministry. Yeah. Like I don't I don't feel like but I feel like that's the way that we've tried to function in training and developing leaders. We have to be this thing that always looks like this. Right. Like it's not something you pull off the shelf and you're like, see, this is what it looks like. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I look all around the country and I see different student ministries that are extremely successful in many different For ways. ways. Yeah. 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 Like, man, I, I look around and I see student ministries that are built around like skate parks and things yeah. like that. Right. And you see, I mean, they're they're doing the, they're doing work. I mean, yeah. they're, they're highly successful in, in what they do, but I know for me, right. If I tried to build some skate park ministry, I mean, one, I'm going to die. Right. Um, but because it's not, it's not where God's gifted me. It's not where he's placed yeah, it's me. It's not your community. And so I think for us to walk into a church and go, this is the way it's got to look because I'm here. Yeah then I think we almost rob from some people that have been there for years and years Yeah, that God's placed them there for a reason as well. No, that's good. Um, and and I, once again, it goes back to this idea that I think for, for, for far too long, we as ministers have seen ourselves outside of the body directing it instead of part of the body. Yeah. And, and I think that we've got to integrate ourselves for our own health and for the church's health more and more. No, that's good. Well, let's take a real quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about what it means to diversify your leaders and to actuate them. Hey, After 9 listeners. We are so incredibly thankful for all of your support and encouragement in these first 10 episodes. And now, Zach and Chad have a request. It has come to our attention that there are After 9 listeners in almost 100 unique locations worldwide. This is so exciting, and we want to involve you in building up this amazing community of honest youth ministers. We want to challenge you to find one new After 9 listener, another youth minister, and invite them to an honest conversation. Ask them big questions. Spend some time conversing over coffee and chalupas. Snap a pic with them and send it to us or tag it with hashtag After 9 on social media. Thanks for listening and building up this community. Hey, After 9 listeners, thanks for sticking with us on the second half of this episode about leadership, recruitment, and development for volunteers. It's true. We need more help than just us in our ministry and what it means to recruit, to train, to retain uh, volunteers in the midst is so important. And so Chad left us with in the first half, um, playing to the giftedness of the community of leaders you already have. And I think that cannot be overstated. Uh, it is so vital that you get a read and a discernment for who are the people that you already have helping and who are the people that are in the community um, that are almost helping are not quite helping or could be helping. Um, I think sometimes we dream about these idyllic volunteers that we should have that are not really in our community. Right. Uh, they, they, are, they are not yet to be found in the circle of folks that are our church community. And so in showing up and being there, we need to be welcoming 
and excited and intentional about recruiting from our community to build the right kind of church community of ministry uh, that we need to have. Because if we're honest, Zach, you know what I think in in our mind, right, this after nine question that we're asking, the leader that we're wanting are these little mini clones of ourselves. You know what I mean? If I had 30 chads, (laughs) if I had 30 chads, then we could do 300 times the ministry. Right. I I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, that's what we're looking for, right? We want these people that have this same, like, burden for the ministry as us, the same passion as ministry for us. um, They like the same kind of music. They they function the the same way. They drink the same coffee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and we want this. We, we, We want that to happen. And I don't know that that's a healthy mindset. But I think it's the one we get into. And I, I think it's the reason that we have the question that we're stating today is, why is no one here to help me? Help me. Right. Because all we think about is the, well, we're judging them by the me standard, right? Like They're not as smart as me. They don't communicate publicly as well as me. They don't have the same vision or dream as me. And, and I, those are unfair markers, right? Because that person may be a wonderful, mature believer that just needs to be brought in to the conversation and might even reshape the way that you think of what you know about youth ministry. I think that's, if we're going to be honest, and we're going to be a little bit particular, I think sometimes we think that we figured out youth ministry best and we're just waiting around for everybody else to see it like we see right. it. Okay, <laughs> that was as much a self-critique, and I'm not writing notes to myself as anybody else. But if you're sitting around thinking or wait, waiting on everybody else to wake up to your idea of what youth ministry should be, right. yes, you are a ministerial or pastoral or director kind of authority, but they have insight, they have experience, and many of them have been at the church longer than you have, and maybe there's things going on in the church, the local church, that is more than you know, mm-hmm. and there's a history there that is more than you know um, of the families, of the students that are involved, the students that used to be involved and aren't involved anymore, and why they're no longer involved, or why we haven't reached certain areas of our, our larger city or community. Um, you need them. You need their insights and their wisdom, their passions, their talents. Uh, so we started off before the episode, so episode was recording. Chad and I were kind of sharing some funny stories about some of our youth workers, our volunteer. I, I like to call them volunteer youth ministers. I always tease oh. that I can do the work. I need you to help do the ministry. Okay. And whether it's cheesy or not, I don't know. But like, here's the deal. They, for every, volu- for every volunteer youth minister that gets added to our team, to our ranks, we get to minister more than we're currently ministering. A lot of the things that are the quote-unquote work of ministry uh, or the work of the youth group or whatever is going to happen whether I have help or not. Right. But the ministry reach of who, we're re- of who we're reaching, how many we're reaching, is dependent on them. The, hey, there was a lesson Sunday. Hey, there was Music Wednesday. Whether they were, they, whether they were there or not, it's probably going to happen. Mm. But the number of students that were reached effectively with the gospel is dependent on them. Okay, enough preaching. Here's the invitation. <laughs> so Chad and I were talking about youth workers, and we're just laughing in a very positive, kind of cheerful spirit about some of the funniest or most different kinds of youth worker people that we have. And we both have talked about how it's so fun to have the right kind of young guy, young girl, old guy, old girl, the dad, the mom, right. the coach, like there's a whole, this whole like cast of characters that kind of should probably show up in your ministry, right? Like if you don't have that grandmother or grandfather of the youth ministry, kind of the matriarch, patriarch, you know, that 
it, that just loves young people. That not a clue. They have no. They're not even on the internet. Like they 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 have not friended any of your kids online because they're right. not doing it. But they love young people. That is an asset to your ministry. I mean, that, that's just a delight to have around. To have him or her around. You know, going asking about you know what's on this TV screen or what are you kids doing? Like, but with a sincerity. Um, so to borrow from from my own context. Um, we have a guy that is just the cool grandpa, and he's even, you know, he's even kind of professed that that's his whole relational aim to be a part of our youth ministry is that he wants to be the cool grandpa because everybody should have a cool grandpa. That's cool. And so it's awesome. And then we have, like, the mom figures that, you know, for for them, like, it's either their own kids are involved or their kids have moved on and weren't involved. And there's always that kind of tension of, like, I'm helping out because I want my kids involved or I'm helping out because my kids didn't have something like this and I want, I wish that they had. Uh, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. Uh, and then the college students that maybe you helped kind of oversee the transition from high school to college, and now they're coming to give back. So invaluable. So invaluable. Um, coach dad, you got to have a coach dad that like, if there's ever like a flag football or a basketball or like a softball league, he's like all over it. Like Sunday morning stuff, he's like fine with, or midweek stuff, he's like sometimes there for. But as soon as you mention that we're going to do a softball league, he's like all about it. He's like, I got it. Jerseys are ordered. Practices are on Tuesday. Right. Games every Thursday. I'll drive the van. Don't worry about it. Uh, like, you got to have that person. And then I think you also have to have like the dad that is just like the really thoughtful, wise, like father. Like, it's just like he's such a good dad, right? He's such a good father. And for all the students that have just not had that that model of what it's like to have a good father, that he's that for a lot of kids. Uh, and it's just, that's the kind of composition you should be thinking about in your youth ministry. Like, we do get guilty of, like, we want young, sexy, cool people showing our, showing our kids what Jesus really looks like. But in the broader picture of what church is... I, I like the use of the word sexy. Sexy. It's on the recruitment document. I'm, I'm looking for young, sexy youth ministry people. I mean, but I think we do that, right? Like, you put that like, on Craigslist and you're I getting do. somebody <laughs> completely different. Pause for listing. Gross. Gross. Okay, we deleted it. Just kidding. It's not up there anymore. Uh, but there, but there is anymore. That, <laughs> anymore. But there, there is that kind of like, like appeal, right? Like, uh, like I remember talking to one pastor person, and he's like, you know, it just takes a certain kind of X factor to work with students. And I was like, like the TV show? Like, is this like a talent thing? And, and there is kind of that conversation of like, you know, we want them involved because they're they really attract kids. They really they'll bring the kids in. Yeah. And, and and maybe that's true, but more than just bringing them in, I'm, I want to know if someone's ministering them while they're there. Right. Uh, someone that will, you know, be faithful and diligent to minister in the ways that we've asked them to help, um, that are there week in and week out for the times we've asked them to help, that will be there and pray for the students and, you know, support our students and, and, and be alongside our students through through tough times because we right. need those kind of ministry folk and not just the ones that look good on stage right. or play lead guitar really well. Sure. Yeah, yeah I, I can remember there was a, a period of time for me that um, I would always say that I'm looking for people that love Jesus and like students. Yeah. Um, the, the, more, the more I think about it, I think as the more I've grown, I realize that, I mean, I, I need people that love Jesus and love students. Yeah. Um, but Listen, man, if you're having to talk them into helping, then right. you're going to spend every week trying to talk them into staying. <laughs> so one, one leadership principle that, that I learned to be true, and I, I think as we think about diversifying our um, leaders in that way, um, is this principle that I, I learned. Um, when you recruit leaders only in one specific way, yeah. you're only going to get one specific type of leader. leader. 
Um, and the illustration that was brought to me is if the way that you're recruiting your small group leaders or your leaders there on Wednesday night or whenever you do it is through like the bulletin or whatever yeah. that you put out, <laughs> then that's the type of leader you're going to get. And what it's going to be is you're only going to get leaders that um, on this scale of um, giftings, you're going to just get people that are high in mercy. If that makes sense. And here's why is you've put in this ad in your bulletin or wherever, however you communicate in that way of we really need small group leaders in our student ministry. Oh, the desperate cry. The desperate cry. And I think that that's one of the probably the biggest way that most youth ministers recruit leaders. Please help. Please help us. (laughs) But what that is, right, the, the people that are going to respond to that are the people that have a high gifting of mercy because they read it and they go, oh, okay, they really need my help. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll help. I can do this. I can do this. Um, and so they're going to be the ones that respond. What happens over time, if that's the only uh, area of recruitment that you have, is you're going to fill your ministry with those people. Okay. And not that that's bad, but it's not that diverse leadership mm. that we're looking for. And so I think that we've got to go on the offensive, and we begin to look around, because some of my best leaders that I've had over uh, time have been leaders that I've almost had to convince that, no, no, listen, I see these giftings in yeah. you. You don't think you can. And I think that you're going to be phenomenal at it. But you can. And and because one of the, the big things is it's this unknown for most people. Yeah. They've never done anything like this. They, you know, it's that. I didn't like myself when I was 17. <laughs> Why do I want to hang out with a bunch of me when I'm 17? You're like, yeah, yeah. They're like, I went through 13 once and I am not doing that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the worst and I don't wish it on anyone. And so I'm not going to wish it on myself. And, you know, and to be honest, man, I've, I've had leaders over the years that looked completely different that have all been amazing in different ways. I can remember there was a lady in our church that was in her 70s that and she came to us and she said i want to go to camp every year and immediately i was like oh this is a bad idea oh she she is going to hate it and, at, and at, she is going to it is going to be bad at first i was like look are you wanting to cook? You know yeah. what I mean? Are like, you trying to like fill the role for her? You're like, you know what? We would love to have a nurse. Right. Um, we have a separate cabin that will be the nursing facility. It can be your space. And she goes, no, I want to be a small group leader. And and so immediately in my mind, I was like, that's super physical, right? Yeah. Like they're running around with the kids all the time. Like here she Up is. late. With yep. a, I mean, she's rocking the cane, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I'm imagining our camp facilities at the time, what all of our leaders go through. Rocky trails up up and down. Late night, all these kind of things. And I was like, does this happen? And I I went into the tank. I was like, let me pray about it, you know? Um, And and I, over and over, I just felt the Lord going, um, don't don't say no to her. Like, Mm. and, and so we brought her. And can I tell you? Yeah. One of the best leaders ever. That's awesome. Now we coupled her right with somebody that was high energy, yeah. Right that that was her partner, yeah. And so while she wasn't the one running through the field during game time and rec time with them, the girls that were with her for the next three years, because she came every, every single year, 
um, loved her. Yeah. And it got to the point, and, and I'll be honest, day one of camp, when that group of girls saw who their leaders were, it was, I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was this moment of them going, oh, right? Like, I, I love so-and-so. Why and I, you know, with them and all that kind of stuff. But they quickly realized, like, how great this woman was, how much she loved Christ, and how much she loved them. Yeah. And what she brought to our camp could not have been done by anyone else. Hmm. Um, and, and so you, you have those experiences. You have the guy that is the high-level executive, right, that right. starts serving, that you're like, the guy, this guy leads a team of like 85 at work and right, now he's right. sitting down with a group of seven you know seventh Volunteer grade leader. boys yeah, yeah, you yeah. know <laughs> and uh and it, it makes you kind of check your own like leadership of going okay like can i lead this person can i lead yeah. this person and and all that kind of stuff and and to see you know him just play right yeah to engage with students to get to bring wisdom to these young men that they probably don't even understand or appreciate yet. Yeah. But I'm sure when they're 20 something and they've got to sit under a guy who is a high, high level leader, um, who's very wise and very intelligent and very much a go getter, they're going to be different because of it. Mm. And, and so I think we get to see that in, in creating this diverse group of leaders. Well, and that's, I think, and this this is this for me is maybe kind of we can for the next little segment of stuff. We've got to create the right kind of gatherings and spaces that allow those leaders to shine. Okay, I, I think more than just the right kind of recruiting people, we need to have the right kind of gatherings that allow them to do that. I think part of what we've kind of um, engineered for ourselves in creating um, the hopeful army of clones for ourselves mm. to make a Star Wars reference is that we. We have all of our setups and all of our times that only fit things that look like us or what we think the kids need and not ways in which other people can share. Right. Um, don't think that the person has to get up on a stage platform, hold a microphone, and an open Bible to dispense uh, theological truth or gospel truth into the life of a young person. Mm-hmm. It might be really good. And I think we do okay in having some small group times, but even those feel like they're supposed to be these like scripture reflection hours right like it's like come in read the scripture and like reflect back what the scripture said but there's got to be ways of community building of you know you talked about the you know the high level executive having fun like playing with with middle school guys like you know like and and seeing them in the fullness of who they are as a person and so our, our narrowing of of who we involve can widen when we see that they have different gifts and abilities but also in the ways that we gather too i mean part of the clone army for us is that we want everybody that can you know hold a microphone or play a guitar or stand on stage and do this but that's not the way that all of our students are so we shouldn't compose our leadership that way Hmm. it is impossible it is nearly impossible for us to reach students that we don't it's impossible for us to read a diversity of students that we don't have leadership diversity to account for. Okay. Um, Expand you, on that. If you, if you don't have leaders that can engage with your nerdy or geeky students, then you won't be able to. Okay. If you have leaders that are of all one particular ethnicity, 
then don't be surprised when your youth ministry is of one ethnicity. Uh, if you have all male leaders and no female leaders, don't be surprised when, you're, when your female students start dropping off. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. It's taken us on a tangent, but I think it's the correct time to ask it. One of the trends that I see to be true is currently most youth ministries are heavier female than male. Do you think that what we're talking about today is one of the um, byproducts um, or, or one of the reasonings that we have that kind of culture? I think so. I, I think I think in, in two ways, maybe particularly. Um, I think we've found ways to exclude um, a, a bandwidth of of geeky guy or geeky girl, the the, the nerdery, if you will. Um, because there's no space for them to participate, and I think in some places um, we um, make what we do seem like it only fits a very kind of like Bible in lap, sit, listen, um, and hear out someone share. And I think that just generally um, excludes certain folks that want to be more active in their learning or more um, physical in their engagement. And I think we've, which are primarily a lot of guys, right? maybe, maybe, cause I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to run through my head. I feel like that in my struggle, uh, some of the things that we do, I actually feel more male dominated in my student composition than right. female. But um, I think you're the rarity. Well, and that's, that's what I'm trying to sort through that. I'm trying to sort through in what ways that might be rare, um, versus, versus what is common. I, I think, to take it back to the bigger conversation, I think most churches are more female than male. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, um, as a, as a reflection back, most youth ministries will be more female than male. I think again, um, to say it a different way, um, who you put in front of people as leaders, um, is who you will reach. Mm-hmm. And so if you are putting forward, uh, who, who you put in front of people, uh, is who you will reach says that, you know, if, um, because we're both 30 and bearded, you know, that this is, you know, if, if a 30, 30 year old bearded person holding a thermos of coffee and a leather bound Bible is what faithfulness looks like, right. then people that don't look like that or like the look of that will not be engaged with that. And so um, I'm not an athlete. Uh, I would surmise that you would agree in the same way that we, you know, we don't feel like we connect to the athletic person. Um, because of, you know, just kind of our interest and engagement. And so we've got to find ways to speak and share into that kind of um, demographic of person, that kind of interest and passion group to give a fullness of what we're about. Um, But as far as the gender split, male and female, I I think some of that uh, relates to the ways in which we gather. As much as it relates to the leadership and and who we put in front of people, I think it's the ways in which we organize as well. Uh, And I think sometimes we love small groups because small groups seem like this really important and right good thing. But I think for some of the young guys, at least that I've connected with or helped my leaders connect with, they would rather connect on a one-to-one basis than a circle of six or seven. Hmm. And I think the ways that we're organizing sometimes... Um, prohibit people from connecting in the way they want to connect or the way that they, their the most preferred way of connection. And so I wonder if in a small group dominated or small group engineered orchestrated ministry that for, you know, a 15, 17 year old guy that doesn't want to huddle up with seven people and share his feelings or his thoughts, then maybe that's preventative for him to try to engage with the community. And so thinking about ways of 
you know, having some mentoring or some, you know, one to two, one to three kind of relationships is really important. And thinking about not just who's in charge and the kind of people that are leading, but the ways in which we organize and ask our leaders to lead. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. Um, how do we celebrate our leaders better? Uh, I think where I'm at on the answer to that question is you celebrate them by, you know, lots of cheers and applause and emails and encouragement. Um, but you also give them the permission to take rest. Hmm. Um, and maybe that's not the exact answer that you would give. And I want to hear your answer too. But for me, the best thing that I've given to my leaders this spring is we took a semester off from high school, small groups. On Sunday mornings, we still have our kind of like gather times where we'll, you know, read scripture, share, and then kind of move into a worship gathering corporately. But we, we took this spring off from having the kind of once a week in-depth seven students, two leaders kind of group because I felt like it became an obligation and not an overflow of passion. And, and in a way that I think I made intentional enough, but hopefully also feels just like the right timing and right kind of breath. We took we took a semester off. We're still having some high school time together, but the, hey, you need to meet this week. Hey, how'd your meeting go this week? And it's like that dreaded Thursday text from Zach that was like, hey guys, this is Zach. How was your small group meeting this week? You know, like that, I take that pressure off from them of like, I have to do this, I have to do this. Because what I'm finding is that in the space of not having to, they're doing it they're 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 connecting they're ministering in a more natural way in a more organic way that wasn't forced of some rhythm that I had designated for them okay yeah that's really good but how do you celebrate because i think that's man um the best gift that we can give because we can't afford to pay them is celebration so how yeah. do you celebrate um so i mean the the honest part of this question is i ask it because i feel like i want to get better at it um, I, I, I am maybe overly optimistic in some, in some ways that, um, I want to grab a great group of leaders that I trust uh, that I put a lot of stock into, and then I want to allow them the space to, to lead well. Okay. Um, and, and I feel like I have a team right now that does that extremely well. My, my small group leaders... I think any one of them could go be a like youth pastor somewhere okay. to be very honest um and do a phenomenal job and um and so I think when it comes to celebrating the one thing that I continue to come back to and it's one of the things that I me mean, personally I've I want to develop more over this year is I want to be more concerned with what is happening in their life away from our ministry. Okay. Um, because I think that if I'm doing that well and, and almost celebrating them as individual people that are beyond volunteers for me, then I think I learned to appreciate them well. And I think they feel more appreciated that my, the only times they hear from me are like, emails, you know what I mean? Or text messages about the next thing or, you know, what to do tonight or here, you know, here's your small group questions or I need you to do this and all those kind of things. I think oftentimes they can feel like they're just projects rather than people that we care about and love. And I think 
the type of care that we give to our small group leaders ultimately will be the type of care that they give to their students. Mm. And so, so we'll come back to this question that we originally asked, why is no one here to help me? Mm. If that's the internal feeling that we have towards our leaders and whether we like it or not, we're going to communicate to them that there's this expectation that they live up to to be here to help me, me. then the expectation that they're going to give to our students is, why weren't you here? Mm. And I think what that creates is an environment that there's an expectation, but there's not a genuine care. Mm. And so instead of us constantly asking this question of, why weren't you there? It's celebrating the times they were there and going, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that in your busyness and all that you have going on, that you chose to help in this way. And here's what happened because you were willing to be um, available. Mm. And I think in doing that, when that kid who's struggling, right, that shows up once a month, but for that one kid, that once a month is literally what he could do because we don't understand what's happening at his home and through his life and at school and all that kind of stuff. And so for that kid to show up one Wednesday out of the month is everything. Thank the Lord, praise Jesus. Yeah. Right? That heaven and earth have moved to get him. Right. There. That we're communicating to that kid that when he walks through the door that he's noticed, that he's loved, that he's cared for, right? That doesn't happen when what we're communicating to the leaders who may be going through the exact same Same thing thing that we don't know is, why weren't you here to help me? Mm. You know what I mean? And we project this expectation instead of this true compassion and care. So that's, I think, where God's got my heart right now Mm. of, of asking the question, do I know what my leaders are walking through? Do I care for them as individuals and people and as brothers and sisters in the Lord, yeah. or do I just care? And if we're going to be honest and get gut level honest with this conversation, do we just care because it makes us look good, yeah. right? That I need you for my program. Right, so that we can get more kids. And so when my pastor asks, how many are you running? We can tell them this number. That 30% we're higher of. than you thought it was. Right. Yeah. And so if that's it, right, and we're only trying to engage leaders so we can look good, then I think we've got to come back to this place of examining our own heart and asking the question, is this a good question to be asking myself on Wednesday night at 9 o'clock? Mm-hmm. And, and I think we've got to wrestle with that a little bit. I think we've got to really get down to the bottom of what we're doing and and ask, are we just trying to build something that makes ourselves look good, to feel good, um, or are we truly trying to to glorify the Lord in what mm-hmm. we do? That's a good word, brother. Well, I I think I think for the folks that have been around youth ministry long enough to know, um, the beginnings of next level youth ministry start when you realize that the call all along was to pastor leaders of young people. That the jump from what you thought this was at a novice level to what this really might be at an organizational level 
is pastoring the people that will minister to young people, mm-hmm. knowing their story, knowing their hurts, knowing their insecurities, knowing their concerns, shows them, prepares them, nourishes them, nurtures them to the kind of ministry, kind of ministers that you'd want them to be. Um, I'll leave you with this. Every Wednesday morning, I go to Cracker Barrel. I've posted on Instagram that sometimes I edit our edit our episodes of After Nine at Cracker Barrel. I go to Cracker Barrel, which is a very like sixty five year old thing to do. It's a very sixty five year old. The editing of a podcast at Cracker Barrel is probably the most sixty five year old thing I could do. If you're a compulsive buyer, you never want to go into that place because that little country store will take your money. (laughs) Thank you, Lebanon, Tennessee. And so every Wednesday, I go with one of my leaders. And we have breakfast at Cracker Barrel because that's his work schedule. He's off on Wednesdays, and, and we go, I mean, three out of four, four out of five Wednesdays, we're there. And what started off as, like, kind of casually hanging out together became, like, this very intentional hanging out together because he delivered this line to me. So we we normally spend our time eating breakfast, talking about life, talking about, you know, video games, computer stuff, um, comic book movies because we love those things. But as we do, we typically drift into asking about how his small group was because he's responsible for a lot of our eighth grade guys. And there had been a thing that had changed in the life of one of our eighth grade guys that we actually just took some time to pray about because we're really concerned and kind of figuring out what to say, what to do next. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, I can't wait to see the kid tonight and kind of talk to him and all this and that. And just kind of, you know, kind of getting amped up to have more ministry time with the student. He's like, that's good. But I want you to know that I need you as much as he does. Hmm. That I need this to minister to him as much as you want to minister to him. Yeah. Because, Zach, I need you. And I think for the first time, the things that I knew in my head, I felt in my heart, that I was called to be the pastor in that moment right there. And the program that I had lined up for a midweek or for a Sunday was not the start point, but the end point of all the ministry I had done prior to it that week for my adult leaders. And it was in that moment, not so many months ago, that I decided I was going to take as many coffees with my leaders as I was with my students. Yeah. Very, very cool. That's a, a great way to end this episode. To all of my adult leaders... And I'll speak on the behalf of Zach as well. That may be listening to this episode. We love you guys. You mean the absolute world to us. Um, Thank you for loving us. Um, We hope and we pray. That we get better at this every single day. And we hope that for you as well. Love you all. Thanks for listening to After 9. Thanks for listening to After 9. Join the community and continue the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, or visit after9ministry.com to share your story.